Previously on Dial M for Magic, I'm pausing to make sure that everyone started the recording, which it sounds like they did. The gang, the gang asks Dr. Percival if she can get them the special hookup on teleporting out of Kuru. They also secure one of Kebra's special diplomatic service personnel, a rough-around-the-edges orc named Kaizo, who will await them in Temajar and provide a little added protection. After a brief moment's discomfort and some mild misinformation from various TSA or teleportation safety officials, the gang teleports to Temajar. Uh, while waiting for Kaizo, he eventually enters carrying the body of the evil Brother Q, or Quartermain, who the gang last met at the Abbey. Uh, curiously, Kaizo has only uh, the severed bones of both of his, le of his legs below the knee visible, and he appears to float as he walks. Finally, the party uh, is about to board a speedboat headed directly to the city of Isva, so that they can begin their quest to uh, stage a prison break. Just throw this out there. I'm pretty bad at spelling, but I'm pretty bad at, or pretty sure officials isn't spelled with a. It's not. I <laughs> <laughs> officials. <laughs> um, it, it's it is yeah. In it's this not fantasy world. But I <laughs> couldn't. I, I should have said agents. That would have been better. TSA. Uh, whatever. Um, we'll fix it in post. It's fine. We'll fix, fix it, it in po post. Yeah. All right. So we pop out of the portal. You pop. You pop out of the portal. You are on the dock, basically. I think that's where we we left off. About to board yeah. this boat. Yeah, so we were in like a waiting room kind of thing, hanging out with our new friend. Yes. Kaizo. Is that what it was? Kaizo, which is K Y Z O. I remember nice. now. Our new friend. <laughs> My best friend. Everyone's your best friend. <laughs> he didn't leave me hanging. I went for a high five. He didn't leave me hanging. He's my best friend. <laughs> That's your, the bar. Your standard of friendship is low. <laughs> yes. So, uh, with that being said, um, uh, Kaizo asked the. So you're you're on the dock of this floating city. Uh, in front of you, there are probably two rows of speedboats of different sizes and a sailboat at the very end. And Kaizo leads you kind of to the middle of this row. And you board the speedboat, which is named the Night Star. It has a little drawing of, like, a shooting star on the side. And... <clears throat> Uh, on board, uh, there's a crew of three, and they're all orcs, and they're all wearing, like, those 1940s sailor hats, like the white hat, which is kind of, uh, trapezoid-shaped. Um... They do not appear to be engaged in a musical number, but people who wear those hats, that's always a, a danger. Yeah, the danger that might spontaneously happen at any moment. Yeah. And he kind of gestures to each of you to, like, you know, make yourselves comfortable. 
Um, and he goes and converses with one who might be the captain or the person in charge. So, um, so for what's coming next, um, there will be the opportunity for four random encounters. So each of you will get to roll uh, a d20. So we will start... Well, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, after a little bit more preparation, um, the boat starts to pull away from the dock, and you start heading to the mainland. Um, it's worth noting that this is at probably 2 or 3 p.m., so the sun is still up, but uh, on, it's, on, it's on its descent. At the very least. The sun's at your back. Uh, luckily, because none of you wear sunglasses. And, <laughs> yeah, heading heading over there. So, you can see the mainland in the distance, which is kind of cool. And if you all pull up the map, uh, the world map, I should say. Which is quite a ways in the back. In, in the back. Um, so basically, from Temajar 2, you have to go by Temajar 1, around a spit of land, and then you arrive at Isva. Um, so you get to see some of the sights, such as, such as they are. <laughs> um, okay, so who would like to go first in terms of a random encounter? I'll go first. Okay. One moment here. All right, go ahead and roll a d20. Uh, that's a seven. Seven, okay, let's take a look at that. Um, go ahead and roll perception. Just just Jordan? Just Jordan, yeah. Oh, that's even worse somehow. Uh, five. Five. Okay. Um, you can't really make out too much of the details. It looks like there might be a fishing boat, like, a couple miles off to your right. Does it look like they're they're hauling in some big fish, or is it like? Um, it's hard for you to tell. Uh, I, it looks like you may have dice in your eyes or something that inhibits your vision. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, yes, old dice. Eyes. Old dice eyes. They call it on the sea. Um, we call it snake eyes. Oh, <laughs> damn! Bravo! Bravo! Yeah, that was quite good. Um, I will... It does look like they're hauling in something, though. You can see things like wide nets getting cast over the side. So you could probably safely assume it's a fishing ship. Um, who would like to go next? Oh, it's also worth noting, every time... If there is something you want to do while you're on the boat... Uh, Tell me what you want to do, because otherwise, every time I have you guys roll, you're going to have traveled a certain distance. 
Okay. I'll go next. Okay, go ahead and roll that d20. 17. 17. Okay, well, that's a fun one. So, uh, where are you at on the boat, Herman? Uh, it's a speedboat, so there's not a lot of seats, right? Oh, uh, correct, but, like, are you at the front, the side, the back? I'm uh, probably at the front, actually. Herman probably enjoy the view. Like a, like a, a, like a golden retriever sticking his head out the side of a window. I'm just titanicing off the front of the ship. <laughs> ah, another James Cameron reference. Uh, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so, so while you're up there, um, could I? I don't want to to speak for your character, but if you really want to Titanic it, you like put a hand in the water, and or you put your hand near the water anyway, and uh, a blue hand belonging to a merfolk comes out and touches it. Ooh. I thought you were going to say a blue hand like the Avatar people. We were talking about Avatar before the recording, and now that's all people have on their minds. <laughs> no, it's, it's a blue hand like Tobias from Arrested Development, like <laughs> spray painted blue. And... Yes. So it's merfolk wearing jean shorts, is what you're saying. Uh, I believe they're, they're cutoffs, they're but yes. Specific, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it just touches my hand? It just touches your hand. Um, and for the rest of the day, uh, you get you get that feeling that you get when you, you know, you pet an animal in public. You're just riding that high for the rest of, <laughs> for the, rest of the day. Uh, but what that'll mean is you get advantage on one roll. Oh, um, awesome. What the role is is up to you. Um, okay. Uh, so at this point, you have traveled several miles, and at, you can see uh, Temajar, well, Temajar 1, the original Temajar. And from where it's positioned, it's kind of built onto the top of this cliff, and it is precarious as fuck. Uh it is built at an angle, and there are all sorts of, like, wooden support beams kind of holding up the city. Um, I'm trying to think of an example in media that would be the closest to this. Oh, I, well, this, that's kind of a deep cut, but um, if you recall from the, hit, from the hit series, A Series of Unfortunate Events... In book three, The Wide Window, there is a house that's built onto the side of a cliff that has all like all these support beams and and stuff kind of holding it up. And it's kind of similar to that, except that it's an entire city. Um, and uh, you can make out as you round the, round the bend a little bit that they're flying a giant flag of an orc face on it. Nothing else, just an orc face. What? What a country or a city country banner! Just a big yep. face. They they are nothing if not very open about about what they're about. <laughs> Great. Um, okay. Um, it's worth noting too. This would be the first kind of exp- well, maybe not the first experience for all of you, but this is like 
for whatever reason, the point of Temajar is kind of a desert biome, so there's just a lot of sand and rock around, and not much in the way of greenery. So, it, kind of an indicator that the further south you go, the warmer it gets. Um, so, um, let's see, that was two. Who would like to roll next for a random encounter? I'll go. Okay. I have these really nice homemade, like, beautiful dice, and I can't fucking ever read them. Uh, a five. <laughs> five. Okay. Ah, well, that's fitting. So, um, you are entering a geographical area known as Grievers Bay. And Grievers Bay is so named... Partially because of all the shipwrecks that have occurred at various points in the bay's existence. Um, but it's also a little bit haunted. Um, so you see uh, kind of impaled on this spit of rock sticking out of the water, uh, the wreckage of a ship. And hovering above it, you see a spectral form. Um, which you would recognize as a banshee. Um, just c- kind of in a grieving position. So Makes sense. Makes uh, sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, as banshees are wont to do. Um, and so that would leave us with red. It sure would. It sure would leave you. With red. I have new dice. They're really, really, really pretty. (laughs) I'm gonna roll one now. That, my friends, is a seven. Again. Um, go ahead and re-roll that, because this table, for whatever reason, has a ship (laughs) on here twice. (laughs) That's a three. Three... Uh, for fuck's sake. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's a ship on here six times. What a terrible uh, table. Again? Um, no, it's fine. I'm I'm not going to mock the dice gods that much. Um, clearly <laughs> they, they just want there to be another ship. Um, which actually sort of fits because you're very close to Isva now. And Isva is a fishing village... Well, fishing town. It's a it's a decent size. It's obviously not as big as Bastalone. It's certainly smaller than both Kuru and Temajar, both both the Temajars, I should say. Um, but it, it's still got a decent size to it. Um, it has mostly timber buildings with a central like town hall that's all made of stone. Um, in contrast to Isva, which had a, a simple flag of an orc face. Um, this has a very elegant flag visible. has a green, uh, like a light green background with a, uh, a golden rose and a sword kind of crossed over each other. Um, Interesting. And as you're kind of pulling up to the main harbor area now, and you see a number of fishing ships in different stages of unloading 
Um, and you also see a what looks like a warship of sorts. Um, but this is sort of unique because they're flying the 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 flag of Ransheim. So some some folks from way up north are, for whatever reason, down here in Isva. And that is what you see. Um, and you um, you emerge unscathed. Nobody rolled for the random musical encounter that could happen with people wearing <laughs> those hats. So <laughs> for that, for that, I guess you can all be grateful. I want, I want that one. We all avoided a Busley Berkeley musical. Number. I want that one. <laughs> do, do over. Let's start the podcast over. <laughs> it over. Everybody has to roll again. Everybody out. <laughs> Rolling, ro- rolling from Mark One. Um, Two, wow. three, four. <laughs> South Pacific. Um, okay. <laughs> Have they tried to do Titanic the musical? No, but they should. I mean, they I did. Mean, they did a Titanic animated movie. They did. Yeah, it's not good. Well, I can't imagine it would be, but Danny Danny Gonzalez did a video about it. I highly I recommend. I thought you were gonna say Danny. Oh, Gonzalez. it's an Italian movie. Yeah, it's bad. Oh no, it's bad. There's like talking animals and a romance, and it's bad. It's real bad, guys. Oh, good talking animals. Oh, I remember the talking animals from the original Titanic. That was a, yeah, that, that, was ori- that original movie. tragedy that happened where real people died, and they're they they still have living people out in the world who. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Let's make an animated movie about it. Um, okay, so as you pull up to the dock, um, you are greeted by a contingent of wood elves who are all dressed in uh, the livery of the town, and they have little the golden rose and sword thing embroidered on their on their sleeves as they would be. And uh, Kaizo, Henry, quick question. Yeah, go ahead question for you mm-hmm. um how common would it be to see elves in bast because this is still technically part of bastalone so how common would it be to see elves in bastalone i mean it's a pretty diverse place so not super uncommon but they historically um you tend to find more more wood elves and such up north, so it would be uncommon to see them in the south because there's not really much in the way of woods down yeah, here. Yeah, wood elves is like my people, right? Like more of them. Yeah, I'm. I grew up with lots of wood elves. I'm like, hey, friends. <laughs> Indeed. Depends. Did they high five you? Uh, they're about to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sure hope so. I hold up my hand for a high five. <laughs> oh boy! Okay. I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what a role would be for that. Um, charisma. <laughs> yeah, make a charisma check. Why not? Straight up charisma. Yeah. Can I make a charisma? None of that gay throw? charisma. <laughs> just, just, Can I make a charisma saving throw? 
No, oh. you may not. <laughs> That's not how that works. Uh, yeah, that was a natural one. I deserved that. <laughs> um, they look at you and their noses are upturned to the point that they're almost looking skyward. Uh, <laughs> so that's a hard, a hard miss on the high five. God damn it! That's a hard right. pass for them. I mean, uh, would the most failure of a high five be just giving him the bird? <laughs> yeah. No, I think or, the or most, most failure. No, most failure of a high five is someone that goes in with a fist bump to your high five. Mm. No, that would still that would still mean they were trying. Yeah, they would have to engage. <laughs> Maybe it'd be like the those people that used to like fake a high five and then they would move their hand to like rub their Jellyfish. hair. Jellyfish. <laughs> you notice you go to high five and then you realize you have a bunch of food on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Gotta stop eating hummus this way. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, so this little contingent of people walks up, and before they, well, I guess I can't, they can't do before they arrive, but Kaizo kind of says to you all under his breath, try and let me do the talking. And with that, he kind of turns and exits the boat and kind of waits for them on the dock. Um, and I'm assuming you all also disembark, but... Sure. I, I won't speak for you. <laughs> I already disembarked. No, I, I was already trying to give high fives. I, I guess that's true. I'm I off the boat, true. man. All right, no, cut I, that. I, cut I that from the recording. Um, <laughs> yeah. Everybody out. Um, but Kaizo, uh, I guess he knows one of the people in question because he does come up and give him a handshake. Um and they converse for a moment, and then the the head wood elf, who is pretty unremarkable as wood elves go, the only distinguishing feature seems to be that he has like this bright blue headband, which is kind of holding holding his pretty blonde hair kind of back and out of his eyes. Um, he comes up to all of you and just looks super dismissive. It's like. Is this your first visit to Isva? Uh, Ad- addressed to you, I guess, Kitty. Uh, yes. Uh, we are just passing through. Ah, yes, of course. Just passing through. Well, I'm afraid... And he takes out a little nail file and starts, like, oh, filing his cuticles a little bit. I'm afraid that the Court of Golden Roses will require a little tribute for you to pass through unscathed. I feel like you somehow, even though I know you didn't, watched Fantasy High and based your elves on the Fantasy High elves. Well, that is unfortunate to hear. No. Uh, I... The fantasy high elves are very like generic like high elf elves. That's it's just it's just Galir. But they're also special, their special boy. <laughs> Galir is a special boy, you're right. He's a yogi boy. 
No, I have I have not seen that, and I. It will become apparent to you why these particular elves act the way that they do. They, these are just this is elf mafia. We're getting elf mafia right now. It, yeah. Or well, I think you're getting elf generational wealth right now. Um, See that that tracks for me. That tracks. So. Um, and as he's filing, he's like, Wilhelm, extend the hand. And one of the other elves comes up and just holds out his hand, like, give me gold sort of thing. I go to high five him again. (laughs) It's a a low five this time because he's got his hand out. It's going to work eventually. Uh, okay, um, I'm not gonna make you roll this. Oh, fuck it. Go ahead and go I ahead and roll again. Roll Let's... to slap this guy's hand. What is that? Charisma, dexterity. Um, whatever I made you roll it's, last time. It's got no. It should it, it should be dex, but so in case the guy pulls his hand back. Uh, the, you, you you make a you make a valid point. Go ahead and make it dex. I'm worse at dex, but. Uh, I but tried. I rolled a 15 plus 2, 17. Uh, with a resounding slap, uh, you hit the man's outstretched palm. And I go, ah, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, we got there, man. The man pulls, Wilhelm pulls his hand away and screams. <laughs> no. Um, the man pulls his hand away <laughs> with, what a, with oh, disgust. Yeah, what a what a deep cut. What a what a pointless deep cut that was. Um, I need you to understand that um, he just said extend the hand, so Red interpreted that as oh they want to try again with the high five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I see that you are not familiar with our ways in Isva. Kaizo, I thought you would have instructed your colleagues better than this. You know that my family carries special weight here, especially around the dock. And uh, go ahead and... Anybody who wants to, go ahead and roll an insight check. Yes, please. Fuck this. Actually, fuck this guy. I got another two. It's just not your day, is it? It's really not. It's really, really not. I got 13. I got 18. 18 over here. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to give... Plus 8. 25. Oh yeah. Good God. There it is. There's okay, so insight. I'm gonna give you each the choice. You can have that insight be reflective of Kaizo or be reflected of this elf who's doing the talking. I'm gonna go for Kaizo. And I'll do the elf. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Okay. Um You get the sense. Okay, so Kitty, you get the sense that the elf is projecting a little bit. Um, which, you know, um, insecure, I get it. He deeply insecure. Um, but you also get the sense that like, he's kind of promoted a little bit beyond his position or beyond his, his ability. Um, 
hence the need to travel with a group of elves. Uh, and for Kaizo, you just feel like radiating waves of contempt. Um, like you, for, for for us or for no, him? No, no, no. For the for the elf specific, or for <laughs> for all of the elves, like. His body language is such that, like, his hands are on his hips, but they're also, like, inches away from both of his guns. Um, and he's just got that pose of, like, I'm ready for shit to go down, but I'm not going to provoke anybody sort of thing. Yeah, but if, but if you fuckers want to <laughs> dance, we'll dance kind of thing. Exactly. I just take a little sidestep closer over to Kaizo, like, as if to be like, I have this man's back, but I clearly do not. I'm just sort of a fanboy. I'm just around. You just exist in his space. Yeah. We're totally... We're together. Okay. <laughs> um, after a moment, uh, this guy goes back to filing his, his cuticles and kind of... He's the other thing that you pick up when doing insight on the elf. You'll notice that he's not actually making eye contact with any of you. He's kind of like speaking off into the middle distance a little bit, like when people do when they're trying to look cool, but really they just come across as like nervous. Um, How many soldiers are with him? Uh, four. All right, I, I guess three plus him, so four people in total. Um, and it's, I guess, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, because two of them have, like, those boat hook pike sort of things, and one of them just appears to be carrying a large, jingly bag. Okay. Which, of course, is where he keeps his dice. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, duh. So. When you're hanging out at the docks, you never know when a game of D&D might not break out. Gotta have dice. And I'm assuming from your demeanor of your companions that you are not familiar with my family at all. Nope. <laughs> if it's our first time here, why would we know who the hell you are? Y'all got any or relatives up in the woods? Because I, I may have met may met some of them up north oh oh i see do you travel to the dim woods often uh yeah oh yeah, what I am guess. i saying of course you don't that was a skyrim deep cut which <laughs> was terrible um let me try that again when i'm not <laughs> in whatever energy i'm having today I'm afraid we don't speak much to our cousins up in the Grimwald. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, no. They have this unhealthy obsession with nature, and less of an, ob an obsession with cash. All right, man. That's uh, really putting it all on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Pretty much. It's unfortunate that you haven't heard the name of our family, or indeed my name, because I'm something of a big deal in this city. Oh my god. Fuck. Hopefully, you will never forget the name of Bimph. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. His 
Can you take that one again? <laughs> no notes. <laughs> I said you will never forget the name of Bimf. What's the last name on that? Did you say did you say Biff? No, no, goat man. I said Bimf. Well, what was your full name, homie? Bimf, <laughs> damn it, Bimf. How many times must I say Bimf? So it's just it's you don't you don't really got a family name. You just got a family reputation. I belong to the house of Bimf. Are you kind of like share? My father is, was wait, Bimf wait. the obtuse. I am Bimf <laughs> the younger. You got, you got any siblings? Because this got to be confusing when you got, like, three kids they all named Bim. <laughs> you would think, but somehow my my mother finds a way. Yeah, I guess you could just sort of call you one, two, and three, huh? I suppose she could, if she lacked standards. But in her infinite wisdom, most of her children are named Bimph. Except for my sister, Bimphia. No. No. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> I'm afraid, since you're somewhat unforthcoming with the gold, you'll have to come with us. No, I don't think so. No. No, I think we're just going to go, man, but it's great to meet you. <laughs> I just start walking past him. Um, this guy. Absolutely fuck this guy. I'm s- no. So, at this point, um, Kaizo is actually going to roll to intimidate. Oh, good. Come on, Kaizo. And that is a 24. Oh. Nice. He's intimidating his hair. <laughs> so intimidating. Was that Owen Wilson? <laughs> wow, he's intimidating his hair. Um, Kaizo takes a single bullet from his belt. And he throws it, or tosses it even, at Bimph. And he simply says... <laughs> he simply says, I'm glad you caught that, because the next one's coming faster. <clears throat> nice. This is good. This guy's so cool. He's so fucking cool, oh, he's, he's so my cool. best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is your best friend. How does Samuel feel about a new best friend? Samuel's not my best friend, he is my child. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's an interesting commentary on parenting, isn't it? Um, so this is enough to get Bimf to, like, stop, one, stop filing his nails. He's like, oh, you're, you're not. I see that you're uh, in a less amused mood than you were the last time you were here, Mr. Kaizo. I'm afraid my mother will still insist on your presence. Wait, you're telling me this guy saved something against a 24 intimidation? <laughs> no, because what Kaizo does next is actually, like, draws one of his guns. And that's enough. 
to like but perhaps another time and he gives like this really fake saccharine smile and like a little bow um, what the fuck, dude? Mayhap we'll meet again. And All next right. time I'll bring my brothers. I oh, think you'll Bimf. find that Bimf is waiting for you and has been dying to see you again since the last time. <laughs> I love their all name Bimf. <laughs> Wait, is this you, Bimf? Your brother, Bimf? Your other brother, Bimf? Or is this your, like, grandpa, Bimf? Wait, is your mom and dad also both named Bimf? Because that... That's... That's really <laughs> coincidental. It's a family name. And it's a name born of of great nobility. I'm already starting to walk past him, just like, alright, we'll yeah. see you around, Bimf. <laughs> Mock me all you want, but as long as there's a Bimfin Isva, our name will be remembered. Um, as you're walking away, so I, I guess uh, I should mention, Kaizo starts to lead you guys away, kind of away from the docks. Um, and as you're walking, you see another group of wood elves like run up from, up from a different street. And uh, go ahead and roll perception. Natural twenty plus. Okay, that's uh, all you. That's all you eight. need for this. Okay, twenty-eight. So, tw- you don't um, know what so in your quick cat-like, with your quick cat-like vision, you notice that at least three of those elves are almost identical in appearance to Bimph. <laughs> However. They each have different colored headbands. That's how the mother keeps them keeps track of them. They have their color coordinated children. Right. They better not have a red one. <laughs> it's gonna get Why? real confusing. Because <laughs> if the mother calls it red, and then red is there, red will be very confused. Are you talking to? Your yeah, child because clearly that child's name is not red. It is Bimf. um so uh your kaizo is leading you well for one he puts his pistol back and uh he picks up his his green duffel bag of sorts that he got in temajar and he starts to lead you guys away slowly out of the out of the village out of the town uh, you pass by the rest of the port facilities, so uh, as is tradition, there are some boats getting worked on. Um, you also pass by several like general stores and a blacksmith. So if you have anything that you want to buy, you would have the opportunity to do that here. Um, you also encounter uh, a roving patrol led by an elf in a yellow headband who, in contrast to the rest of them, uh, Kaizo appears to recognize him and actually gives him, like, a little wave, uh, which is returned by the elf, and the little patrol just goes right on by. Hmm. And as an aside, he kind of mentions to you all, Well, that was Bimph the Obtuse. He's sort of the black sheep of the family. Not a bad character, as as Odal shakes out. It's a pity his brothers aren't quite the same. 
bimph the obtuse. So is it like a bimph isosceles and a bimph acute? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, that would have been great if I'd give them, given them all geometrically themed hats. Uh, it's bimph the rhombus. Bimph the trapezoid. Um, anyway. So assuming that there's no shopping that you guys need to do... Um, you're also going to pass by kind of this open air market and it's not terribly large, but still, um, it's later in the day. So things are kind of winding down, but there's still a little bit of activity. Um, you do notice that the, the population of this city is predominantly wood elves, but they're also they all look slightly related. Like it's just a um, big inbred fishing town. Um, a little bit. Um, it's like every third or, well, probably not every third or fourth, every like fifth or sixth person you see is all wearing a headband of sorts. Um, and they really have dug in deep on getting like the, the hex code for each different color of, of headband. (laughs) There are just a, there's a lot of colors on display. Um, so there's that um and as you're walking uh kaizo again kind of getting the sense that you guys haven't been here before kind of he's gonna drop some world building knowledge on you all um since you're not gonna meet the matriarch and there's no other opportunity to do this um (laughs) because we refuse to be intimidated Pretty much. Apparently, Bimf, Bimf the first, Bimf with the blue headband is not actually that intimidating. Um, so you may be wondering why this town is full of so many Bimfs. And many years ago, probably 60 years now, um, the, the, the old patriarch, the great-grandfather, Bimf the Flatulent, he won, he won the lottery up in Stalaka. It was the first and subsequently the last lottery that they ever tried to run. And with that gold, he bought the mayor's office in Isva, which at the time was just a wide place in the ocean. Really wasn't much going on here. And kind of gestures around, there's still not a lot going around here, going on around here. But now, of course, they, they appear to have multiplied a great deal. I can't, you can't go a city block without running into one bim for another. And, as you may imagine, they're not a terribly imaginative family, so there are a lot of bimps and bimphias. And, well, I couldn't live like that, but I guess they can. It's difficult to say. Who, who really, I mean, all I can think is how awful it would be to date here. Because you're probably related to someone at any point in time. It's probably why they're all... There's something wrong with them. That's because we're in the South. (laughs) Yep. I didn't even think about that. Oh, no. They're all all kissing cousins, baby. They really, they really tried to double down on branding the House of Bimph as some sort of thing, but 
As you can see, that didn't really pan out the way they wanted. Now, they had they had a cousin. Well, they had several cousins that I knew up in Stalica. They, of course, weren't named Bimph. They had finer names like Bimphus and Bimphion, but I don't think those cousins are around anymore. In any case, we have to make our way through the main gate, and then we'll be on our way. And with that bit of exposition done, uh, he continues leading you all through. Um, now, I'm going to say, go ahead, Kitty, and roll Perception with Disadvantage. a natural one maybe oh still wow. an, i was like it's still nine but <laughs> are we all rolling this or just kitty um I, yeah i i, I yeah i should have i should have had that happen so go ahead and everybody roll it with you're rolling it with disadvantage just because of the well because i said so <laughs> because, because of things because of such. things I got a natural 20 and then a 6. Okay. I got a, four. I got a 14. 14? Okay. Well, yeah, I got a 14. With disadvantage, well done. Yeah. Okay, well, by virtue of the goat man's eyes, you... Uh, His square pupils. That'd be a good album name. By um, virtue of the goat man's <laughs> eyes... It's like a Simon and Garfunkel project that never got up th off the ground. <laughs> um, so, out of the corner of your eye, um, you uh, you notice that you're being watched um, by one of the few non-elf inhabitants of Isva that you've seen so far, and this would be a Triton, a Triton man who is. He's doing that thing that they do in westerns a lot, where they're, they're sweeping, but they don't appear to be sweeping anything. Um, just kind of absent-mindedly going over the same patch of ground outside of a, outside of a tavern. He's, you can tell that he's not actually sweeping because he's sweeping the grass. <laughs> <laughs> Sweep the grass. Comb the desert. Uh, is, this, is this the only... like? Are, are we, like, walking along and I'm noticing that everybody's starting to look at us like this? Or is this just specifically this one guy? Just the one guy, really. Um, okay. I'm going to signal to base. Do my, do my super secret hand signals that I have with base. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell him to go over to the Triton man and try and figure out who he is. Okay. Um... How would a cat do that? Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to <laughs> figure out right now. The cat's gonna steal right his wallet and look at his ID. It's true, yeah, he could steal, he steal his wallet. He is a thief. He's a pickpocket. So can can we and can we have him steal this guy's wallet? We know he has sticky or his, like papers. Sure. Um, have the cat make a sleight of hand check. I don't know what the sleight of hand bonus is for a cat. Probably um, not good. They don't have hands. Look, <laughs> he's got little sticky mitts. <laughs> All right, come on, base. 
I am not joking when I say that that is a crit 20. Yes! <laughs> Face in the clutch. Wow. I gotta take a picture of this. That's, that is absolutely... I am not making this up. No, you can do it, base. Okay. So, the cat is able to... What? Um, hold on, let me... Yes. The cat is able, through um, bizarre <laughs> just, trickery... He doesn't even want to say. He's just so... I don't even know how to say the cat reaches into a guy's pocket and picks out his wallet. Like, Actually, well, could, actually like, you know what I'm going to say. The cat, like, or base comes up and is super friendly to the guy and kind of beguiles him with kindness. And while the guy kind of reaches down to pet him... Uh, Bass is able to reach up and, like, gently, you know, check out what's in his pockets. At least in one pocket. And he pulls out a very, like, a regular piece of paper-sized piece of parchment that has a, a wanted sign at the top. And... A very, very rough sketch of uh, of you, Herman. Oh, shit. So does Bates bring it back to us? Um, and below that, uh, well, yeah, uh, he, he does bring it back. After, after getting his requisite pets from the guy, the cat fee, if you will, uh, he kind of saunters back over and uh, puts the puts the document into your hand, Treble. Uh, hold hold up back just for a second, guys, and I kind of kind of have everybody pull back a little bit from the group, and I kind of put the I have read it, and so I hand it to Herman, and say. We, you might need to wear a bit of a disguise while you're here, buddy. What? Why do you say that? Well, look, uh, can you, like, on, on this piece of paper, it says that you're wanted. Oh, shit. Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, Herman's eyes glaze over. I got this. And Vincent starts marching towards the guy who had the oh, no, 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 Vincent, no, oh, Vincent, no, uh, that's... no, Vincent, no. <laughs> we don't need to do that, buddy. Oh, oh no. Vincent marches over towards that guy. Okay. Um, the guy sees you coming and just bolts. Um, drops his broom and runs into the tavern that he was out <clears throat> that he was outside of. Son of a bitch. Alright, I walk back to the group. I'm gonna need a change of clothes. <laughs> uh, Treble goes into his bag and pulls out his disguise kit that every actor has. <laughs> that, that every actor just carries with them. Carries with them. And uh, he's gonna kind of put a little bit more like a little dark shadow underneath Herman's eyes, or I guess it's Vincent, no, Vincent's eyes. And kind of uh, gives him a big cloak to put over himself. I like it. I like this look. 
Oh, I was gonna say you roll a d20 and you come up with a random disguise that's themed, but I like that works too. That that probably <laughs> makes more thematic sense. So, but now I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you you can do that the next time. Um, so, okay, with your with your newfound camouflage. Um, I mean, which, he's. Aren't you like seven feet tall and like? <laughs> like yeah, this is a very real possibility. This won't work. It's not but like also. particularly <laughs> effective camouflage. That's true. There are other Goliaths in the world. We just wanted to not look like Herman. Uh, how many have? Yeah, okay, I, I think. How many Goliaths have we seen since we left Bastalone? How many Goliaths did we see in Bastalone? At least one. One. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you've Henry's se- you've not seen always describing crowds. Yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. There, there's usually at least one person in a crowd, but you also saw a couple fight in the arena in Kuru. Um, Great. But, so, yeah. so far, about four. <laughs> this is such a good disguise. <laughs> Just to be safe, only it, refer to me as Vincent it, from now on. Perfect. I'll, to, to be fair, this is this the way that you've described it sounds a lot like the Thor disguise where he just moves the cloth in front of his face without changing anything else about his appearance. Which yeah. I, I'm yes, here for that. Exactly okay, good. Is. That, this um, is a Batman disguise. <laughs> <laughs> so, um you're about to leave the city gate and um and head out into the countryside. So this is your last call for buying anything. Um Are you guys just trying to make a beeline to Noor or I kind of forget what the what you had decided on. There was talk of sabotaging a train at some point in time, but I don't. Yeah, I it's don't still know. the plan, right? We're gonna capture some guards on the train and then disguise ourselves as those guards. I think that was our plan. Oh yeah, that that sounds about right. <clears throat> so. So apparently, we got to go find where the train stops before Noor. <laughs> Yeah. Or a place that we can ambush a train. <laughs> Which actually, actually, yeah, I do remember that, and I think you. There are actually a number of places where you can do that, which aren't super difficult to get to. Like they're time consuming, but it's not difficult travel. So, um, as you're about to leave, though, um, Kaizo snaps his fingers like, "All right, I did forget something. Hold on." And he goes, and there's a stables um, not very far from the city wall. And he goes in, and he's gone for a second, and then he comes back out, leading a camel who's pulling a tiny cart. And he's like, I almost forgot my favorite traveling companion. Uh, this guy here is, uh, call him Juice. Nice. The camel. And the camel. Yeah. Nice. Hi, Juice. Right. I also say hi to Juice, and I try and pet Juice. Uh, the camel allows you to do that, and crucially, does not spit at you. So, yes. base jumps onto the camel's back and is riding on the hump of the camel. 
the camel is not pleased, but but allows it all the same. Um, and Kaizo pets the camel and then puts his bag into the little cart that the camel is towing. Never leave home without my camel. Uh, <laughs> words to live by. <laughs> and with that, uh, the journey outside of Isva begins. So, um, so there's a couple things we can do here. There could be, the way I had kind of budgeted it, it'd be about three days journey to where you could reasonably start to look for a train. Um, so I guess we can just start the random encounters or possibilities for random encounters. Let's do it. So, yeah, that, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Um, oh, I should also address, uh, what order are you guys going to travel in? Um, at this point, back now, now that he's trying to be sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. I think red is genuinely like hopping around. Um, he probably, I guess, sticks closest to treble just because treble seems like he, uh, could get killed at any moment. But uh, hop around. You make it seem like I'm on my deathbed every like. No, like, all the I time. don't think that. But Red thinks that because you died once, <laughs> and he has anxiety about it. Uh, Trouble will be at the at the front, um, just kind of walking alongside the camel. Okay. Kitty's Kitty's just in the middle, checking things out, scanning the crowds. And by crowds, I mean sand. Fair. (laughs) Um, It's worth pointing out right now, you're in kind of just flat grasslands. Um, So you're on the southern edge of the Sunborn Steppe, which is basically, um, you've got a bunch of rolling hills to the north of you, and just basically fields of grass um, extending for many miles in front. Um, you're also in the area, or you're directly south of the area where the Clovenhoof Coalition tends to hide out. So they really kind of own the hills of the Sunborn Steppe, and their main camp is up there. Herman uh, is experimenting with different ways of walking because he's afraid someone will recognize the way he walks. <laughs> oh, perfect. Because um, what I'm. <laughs> are you wa- doing like the. Um, the young Frankenstein Igor walk where you're like hunched over and I don't know. I mean, he's, he's rotating through all of them. He's, he's trying Perfect. out a bunch of different ones to see which one feels the most, uh, the most natural for a different person. Okay. Um, so with that being said, uh, day one, we'll have the same, the same, Actually, we'll make it five. That makes more sense. Um, Go ahead, and in the same order that you guys rolled for random encounters at sea, you'll now be rolling for random encounters on land. So, I don't remember who went first. 
Treble. Uh, I did. Okay, so Treble, go ahead and roll. Um, and this time you're going to roll 2d20. Eight. Uh, eight and a twelve. Okay, so a twenty. Um, off maybe a hundred feet from the path that you're walking on, um, you see a herd of elephants that are just grazing. Ooh. I love them. I love them. I wave at them. Red is so excited. <laughs> Um, go ahead and make a, uh, animal handling check. Who? Uh, who waved? Okay. <laughs> Treble waved, right? I, yeah, yeah, I waved. Sorry, my mark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I waved. Okay, animal handling. Ooh, okay, maybe. Hold on. Uh, 13? Um... One of them looks at you and kind of raises his trunk and shakes it back at you. Oh, <laughs> that's adorable. Uh, Treble's going to be riding that high for the next like year and a half. So <laughs> thank you for that core memory right there. I'm so Perfect. upset that I don't have speak with animals because I really want to talk to these elephants. I'm taking speak with animals next time we level up. I'm sure you are. Um, okay, who has that, next? I was Henry next. was not surprised. <laughs> not in the slightest. All right, oh, back-to-back fives. Okay, so a ten. What do we got here? What do we got here? Oh, dear. Um, so as you round a little bend in the path, uh, you see what appears to be the rapidly diminishing corpse of an antelope that's being feasted on by some sort of some sort of insect it's sort of like if you can imagine like a fist-sized horsefly there's like a bunch of those feasting on it and uh, as you come closer, they actually get off of the body and begin to swarm towards you. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't like that, and I don't want that. So here, here is what... Someone had to wave to an elephant, and now... So can, in I, the... can I... <laughs> I have a question. Okay. Can I try to use fey presence on these flies to keep them away from me? <laughs> Um, you can. Um, could you remind me and subsequently the audience what Fey Presence does? It says once per short rest, you can cause each creature in a ten foot cube uh, around you. I'm sorry, this is getting in my way. Once per short rest, you can use, you can cause each creature in a ten foot cube originating from you to make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC. And if they fail, they are either charmed or frightened by you until the end of your next turn. Okay. I just want to make them go away from me. <laughs> I want to frighten these flies. Okay, hold. And you said wisdom? Yeah, so wisdom save. Hold on, I've got to look up a stat block because <laughs> appar- apparently that's a thing now that... It has to happen. Okay, um, I'm not going to roll for each insect. Fake presence so. never works for me. 
I'm just hoping that I can use it for this silly reason. <laughs> what do they have to beat? Uh, 15. Well, that's a 10, they're, so I guess like you... they're flies. You successfully conv... What a sentence. You successfully I, convinced a bunch of flies to not... A, I just, my eyes go all black for a second, the way they do when I shift, and I give off a frightening aura, <laughs> and these flies move away from me. Okay. Yes. Well, that that is enough. Um, crisis averted. Crisis averted. I so, mean, it also says until the end of your next turn. So, like, if they are really persistent and they want to go away from me and then come right back... I can only do this once. I mean, so as soon as you do that, they kind of retreat and just go back to feasting on the antelope. So okay. you're probably fine. Yay. Um, who had the next one? It was me. Okay. Um, I was just picturing those obnoxious bugs from Valheim. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, I got an eight and a five. An eight and a five. Oh, that's a good one. Um, you encounter a group of orcs, uh, six in total, who are all... They bas- They look like they just finished a day of mining because they have like a little cart with pickaxes and buckets and um, like those pans that you use for uh, kind of sifting out gold. And yeah, they uh, and they greet Kaizo, recognizing a fellow orc, and they exchange pleasantries. And uh, Kaizo makes a joke or something. You're not really sure because they're speaking in orcish. And uh, one of the miners laughs and um, reaches into his pack and he actually pulls out a stake and tosses it to Kaizo. <laughs> and people just handing out stakes in this world. Yeah, it feels like a Herman thing to do. Right, yeah. Herman's very jealous. Um, and Kaizo kind of turns over. Uh, are just some, some nice mining folk. Uh, do any of you want a stake? <laughs> yes, please. And he just tosses <laughs> you the stake. And, yes. uh, and with that, uh, on you go. Um, alrighty, go ahead and uh, red. I think you were last. I was last. Let me just roll this beautiful dice. Twice two, right? Correct, two yeah. d twenty. Okay, so I got an eleven and an eight. Nineteen. Oh, well, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, So, as I've mentioned before, you're in grasslands, and you reach a certain point where the grass is actually cut away for, like, a huge swath of land, and you actually see a field that has been plowed and a couple of farmers working the land. And curiously, instead of, like, Normally there would be like furrows and stuff 
um, with like little signs poking out telling you what's in it. Instead, there are these giant wooden signs that have been driven in. Um, and it's worth noting that the farmers that you can see, they appear to be wood elves who are wearing like these overalls and these wide straw hat, wide brim straw hats. How no colored headbands are the signs? No, no colored headbands are visible. Uh, I want to I want to emphasize that before before any uh, conclusions are jumped to, um, but they there are two two farmers that you can see and they appear to be arguing with each other, and when they see you guys approach, they both come running up to you, and uh, you hear the following. Um. So, um, are any of you uh, agriculturalists in any way? I'm uh, from I know I know some gar some forest gardening. Are any of you familiar with um, earth science or rock science? No rock nope. magic. I took earth science 101, but I'll be honest, I was hungover for a good portion of it. So you were hungover what? What you need, like a, bud? Like a ba- like a parapet or a tree? What, what what's your deal, bud? Well, um, I should explain. Uh, so here's the thing. I'm I'm Bill, and uh, this is my brother, uh, Bill too, and um, <laughs> what we're else? rock that farmers. Maiming convention. <laughs> People well, in this, on this co- part of the continent need to learn how to change their name when they name their children. <laughs> No, this is just how wood elves name kids, I guess. (laughs) So, um, we're rock farmers, and we're trying to bring in our crop of rocks. And, um, as it turns out, the rocks this year are too big for us to move on our own. And we'd be gratefully obliged if you could help us uh, harvest our rocks. I mean, I am very strong, so, um, (laughs) I could maybe help. Maybe help with that. Yeah, I could go for a workout. <laughs> well, I don't know how much of a workout it'll be. It's really just gardening. But as I mentioned, we farm rocks, and uh, yeah, I know. I I don't know how you do that, but um, so, it sounds good. Well, somebody's got to do it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to get their rocks every year. Oh, all right. Who? <laughs> what? What? I'm so confused. I want to see what this situation is. I want to... I would like to go with these wood elves to see what they're fucking talking about. (laughs) What the... Stay with Herman. Okay, so... Kaizo just... just gives, like, this shrug to the heavens and he just is like, I'm gonna... I'm gonna stay with the camel. Um... Y'all but just the, take a lunch break real quick. We're just going to fi- uh, figure out this rock situation. Um, Bill and Bill 2 lead you across uh, their field, and you see that they have uh, a rudimentary like excavator of sorts. Um, and by that I mean they have like a bunch of shovels that they've tied together onto like a plow, and they like throw it and then drag it, um, and that's their attempt at getting rocks out of their field. 
So really, like, the least efficient way of getting anything out of anywhere. Um, Bill 1 kind of wipes his head, and he's like, So, um, really, we're just having trouble with uh, this, this furrow here. Um, the rocks that we planted last season, they grew so much that we're just uh, having a mite a bit of trouble getting them out again. So, um... Wait, what? Rock, rock, what? Rock's so... It's a fantasy world. Hey, 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 I don't come to your job and tell you how to, um... Um... Well, I'm a rock farmer. I've been doing it for all my life. I... I know my business, ma'am. And, uh... Solid burn, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Bill, Bill is not used to explaining the, the intricacies of rock farming to to non-country folk. Um, but basically what this is going to be is two of you will need to make a strength check. Okay, the two big, and, strong and the boys, sum, Herman the sum and of Red. that needs to be to 30. Oh, shit. So Herman two of you together. Super strong boys, the strongest boys, <laughs> equally strong, I would say. Yep, an equal, completely. Well, I got a nineteen, so. Oh okay. shit! I got a nineteen plus two, twenty-one. Yeah, <laughs> strong boys. Oh, yeah, okay. strong boys. Beautiful. Strong boys. So you um. As Bill 2 points out to you where you need to dig, you get like this pry bar and a shovel, and it's actually a really sizable boulder, like a good four feet by five feet, like a really truly sizable. But by by ingenuity and gumption and stick to you you get it out of there. Now here's the question. Um, both of you need to also make a dexterity check okay check or saving throw check and that needs to at least the sum of that needs to at least be a 20 okay, okay. well i got 15 so Jesus i got 18 plus 2 dirty 20 oh. wow nice. okay so 35 baby. um we got it so the and that was to see whether or not you dropped it um <laughs> so <laughs> You uh, maneuver it to this little area off to the side of the of the field where there are a bunch of other rocks piled up. And uh, Bill 2 comes up to you and he like sh- he, he makes a point of shaking each of your hands. Good. Like, I appreciate him. My brother and I are very grateful for um, for the for the help you have you've, you've provided um, this day with um, for to uh hither by um helping with uh rocks so um by way of a thank you we'd like to give you uh this rock and he he goes to the pile and he brings back a rock that's about the size of a basketball oh shit he's like now i know this may not seem like much to a fancy city folk like yourselves but um i think you'll find this is pretty cool and he reaches into his pocket and he takes out a little hammer and he hits the rock with it and it breaks apart in half and inside there is this 
beautiful glowing blue blue gold geode and he hands that to you well um this is worth uh well it's on the smaller side of course but this is probably worth about 200 gold oh shit so um yeah enjoy that you know i would put this in my home that if i had one of those yeah well uh People always always talk down on rock farming, but uh, it's it's valuable work, and people people like what we pull out of the ground. So um, anyway, um, hither by have a you know a day. It's been a pleasure, Bills. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Bills. Herman turns to Red and goes, "Strong boy, high five. And then we yeah. flex one arm and high five with the other. Yes, me too. Perfect. It's beautiful, and it's freeze-framed, and it's the best. <laughs> uh, okay. um, Red is yeah, genuinely really quick, so mm-hmm. little next time. <laughs> I just need to get going to work here pretty soon. Um, okay. Not, like, soon, but, like, maybe within, like, the next 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes. Uh, okay. Um, I was going to do one more random encounter so that Kaizo has one rolls one as well but that that's about all i've got so that works out fine um so for kaizo let's do the roll 2d20 yeah do we have to end with us arriving at the train station probably not because that's like we have two more days of travel well and that's the other thing too do you want to do it at the train station or do you want to try and like stage an elaborate distraction on the train track somewhere. You guys should probably, maybe next session, take some time to discuss what you want that to look like. Okay. Um, Now this is... I'm going to re-roll that because that would end up being a combat encounter. And Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, that's not a a combat encounter. Oh, this is worse. Um, (laughs) The further on you travel, you hear the sound of music. This is worse? Not the musical. I need to rephrase <laughs> well, no, that. It's almost... <laughs> Damn it. That would have... are alive. <laughs> it's both a missed opportunity and also a terrible thing that I've just said. Um, but you hear the sound of... If you've ever heard... And I know Jordan's heard this sound. If you've ever heard the sound of a recorder being played off-key, oh. uh, you hear that. We've all heard you that. hear the sound of maracas... Uh, you hear the sound of somebody beating like a bass drum, and is... you hear a very garbled vocal performance. Henry, is yes? this familiar sounding to me, a hippie druid woods person? <laughs> oh, um, a little bit. Okay. Uh, is this a drum? Is this a drum circle? Is this <laughs> a spiritual healing drum circle? <laughs> Um, oh, this is, this is so great. Um, so as you round the corner, you realize that it's part of a traveling caravan of, uh, performing arts people. Uh, there are, there are musicians, there's at least one juggler, um, and in a different type of podcast, that would be a horror um, a horror, a horror Question. scene. Yes. So, Treble in the past traveled with a caravan much like this. Mm-hmm. 
I actually had established that as part of my backstory a long time ago. Uh, do I recognize any of these people? Um, you recognize one of them, but not from the caravan. Far further back in your backstory, you had a rival. A rival that took your position at the Performing Arts Festival. Oh no. Oh no. And you recognize the infamous or famous beat poet Giles Wintergreen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Dial M for Magic. Our cast, as always, was Jordan Fugit as Treble, Dan Rogland as Red, Nathan Pierce as Herman Cranberry, Bobby K. Kuffner as Kitty, and the DM was me, Henry Rogland. As always, we're grateful for our listeners, and we thank you for joining us on the journey so far, and for the many, many journeys still to come. If you'd like to listen to upcoming episodes early, as well as get some fun bonus content, be sure to find us on Patreon.